You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. Okay, I'm at Life, the Universe, and Everything with Eric James Stone, who has been on three panels this weekend dealing with religion. So um, the ramifications of fictional religion, how to treat religion fairly in science fiction and fantasy, um, these kinds of topics. One of the panels that um, he just got out of was a panel of four Mormons, um, three writers and one editor. And then last night... Uh, Friday night on his panel there was um, an atheist, Helga Molding, and um, someone who was raised Episcopalian, Lee Modisett, um, and an editor who's uh, dealt with stories that have included religion. Um, so there were a lot of different perspectives that we heard. Um, and so we're going to talk to Eric James Stone kind of about what he has written, how he's dealt with religion, and then kind of his thoughts about that. So first of all, um, Eric, tell me a little bit about your background in writing religion in your stories. Uh, well, um, when I, uh, you know, I grew up Mormon, of course, and I also grew up reading science fiction and fantasy because my dad uh, had a good collection of science fiction and fantasy. And uh, one of the things that did kind of bother me was that most authors did not include much about religion uh, in the future. And uh, one of my favorite authors, Isaac Asimov, essentially uh, his futures very rarely had religious characters. Um, I also really liked Robert Heinlein, and his, he, he did a little bit better, I felt, with occasionally including religion, uh, religious characters in his science fiction. Um, and so at, when I was a very fledgling writer, I actually emailed Orson Scott Card because uh, you know, I had uh, you know, read Ender's Game and, and, and others. that There were some religious characters mentioned in there. Um, and I, I asked him, uh, essentially, because it was, it was, it was weird. I, I wanted to write science fiction, but I didn't want to in some way negate my religious beliefs. And so I, I said, how do you deal with the idea that, well, you know, you can't write stories about humanity you know, 5,000 years in the future because the millennium will have come by then. Uh, you know, and that, that therefore, if you write about that, you're denying the, the faith. And, uh, and he said, oh, that's just a silly argument. They're fictional stories. It doesn't, ma it doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, so one of the one of kind of key turning points for me was uh, there was a story in Analog Magazine uh, called Sanctuary, 
uh, and it's about a Catholic priest on a space station, and an alien comes to him asking for sanctuary because uh, her race's beliefs basically say that they should kill her unborn child because it's illegitimate. Um, and she, she knew about Catholic beliefs regarding abortion and felt like that maybe she could get, gain some sanctuary. Um, and uh, the story was written by uh, Michael Burstein, who is an observant Jew. And, uh, but he did a fantastic job of portraying a realistic Catholic uh, in a far future setting. And uh, it, the, the story actually got nominated for, for a Nebula and I think a Hugo as well. And uh, so I was at the Nebula Awards ceremony and I, I went up and talked to Michael Burstein uh, and basically said, thank you for including a, an observant religious character in a, in a far future society. I, I, I really love that. Um, and um, and so when I was at a writing workshop and I was assigned to write a story with a character based on myself, I, I decided, well, I haven't seen a Mormon in a high-tech future, um, you know, as the protagonist, so I decided to, to do that. And um, that story, uh, uh, the title is That Leviathan Whom Thou Hast Made, actually ended up getting nom nominated for both the Hugo and the Nebula Award and won the Nebula Award. Uh, and so since then, I tend to end up on a lot of panels about religion in science fiction. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, what, uh, that's one of the things that got me uh, writing about, science uh, about religion in science fiction. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. So, um, so that's what got you into writing it. What are some of the things that, um, that you considered when you're writing that story? Since it was your own faith, I'm sure that you're concerned, oh, I don't want to be preachy, or I want this to be accessible to, to other people. So how kind of, how, what are some useful ways, um, do you think, um, that can be approached in? Yeah, well, one of the things that I did was I, I did not want it to come off as uh, very preachy. And so I uh, created a, another major character who was not really the antagonist so much as the, the foil for the main character. Um, and it was an, a, a scientist who is atheist. And the two of them end up working together and they clash on their beliefs, but when it comes right down to it, they, uh, they both make the same sorts of moral decisions, and they uh, both respect each other by the end, and um, both of them feel like their worldviews have been confirmed by the events. Uh, they view the same events with very different perspectives, um, and kind of understand what happened differently. Um, but basically by having that atheist character in there uh, to present an opposing view to the, the main uh, characters, I, that gave it a balance and uh, the, it ended up getting published in Analog Science Fiction, 
which is uh, the hard science fiction magazine. Um, and the editor uh, basically was, was an atheist, but he was willing to publish the story anyway. Uh, so I, I think I kind of struck the right balance there. Did he make any comments or have any edits for you on your treatment of religion? Uh, no, he didn't. Uh, he just, he, you know, he had, he, the one major question he had for me was whether the figure I had given for the temperature at the core of the sun was correct. <laughs> uh, and I, I emailed a, a, an astronomy professor at BYU and uh, he gave me a slightly adjusted figure and so I put that in the story. Okay, um, and how was that received? What kind of feedback did you get from readers? Uh, I had a lot of readers uh, tell me that they loved the fact that I was showing uh, religious characters, you know, who who were believers and who were, you know, rational people, uh, rather than being just kind of the crazy religious person who is causing problems for the the secular protagonist. Um, so and. Uh, so yeah, it, it got a, a lot of very nice feedback. It also got there were some people who felt like it was too preachy, and there there were some people who ob objected to it for various reasons. Okay, so within science fiction, is that kind of a trope that there is a crazy religious figure? I mean, how to, in general, how is religion kind of? received in the science fiction writing community or dealt with? Well, there is, in, in science fiction, because there is, is a kind of a long tradition of secular uh, science fiction stories, um, there, essentially, uh, what what has happened is that, that, that there are a lot of secular, non-believing science fiction writers, and they tend to view uh, some religious people, at least, with suspicion. And so when they are writing stories, occasionally they will decide, well, I need somebody to do something terrible. And uh, what's a reason why someone would do something terrible? Oh, obviously they're religious and their religion is telling them to do something terrible. Part of it may be that religion is often seen as anti-science or anti-technology, and since science fiction tends towards having uh, people who use science and technology as the heroes, someone who is anti-science and anti-technology uh, seems like a rational choice for a villain of some sort. and. So that's, I think, why there is sort of a trope of, oh, it's the crazy religious person who's, who's doing things. Um, what I'm hoping is that as we have more writers like uh, Brad Torgerson, uh, Michael Burstein, uh, and others who write science fiction that treats religion with respect, that uh, that trope hopefully will become less common. Yeah. What are some um, examples, as a reader of science fiction, of where you've seen um, religion dealt with well or not so well? And maybe specifically it would be interesting, since you're LDS, to talk about um, a time when you felt like someone who wasn't Mormon portrayed Mormonism um, respectfully versus not so much. Um, 
I, I, I go back to, to Robert Heinlein. I, uh, there's a, a novel of his that, uh, it's probably my favorite novel of his, um, Double Star, in which the main character is on Mars and is invited to a special Martian religious ceremony. This was written back in the days when we still thought there might be life on Mars. Uh, but um, so he, he he goes to this ceremony and then the, the character says, I'm not going to tell you what went on during that ceremony uh, because it's sacred and you wouldn't expect a Mormon friend to tell you what goes on inside their temples, would you? And you know, the, just showing that much understanding for what Mormons believe, uh, that made a real impression, impression on me. I was like, wow, he must have known someone Mormon and uh, you know, because he, he could understand how, how we would feel. Um, as a bad example, um, I, I point to uh, a novel called The Great and Secret Show by horror writer Clive Barker. Um, and uh, he has some characters who are, are Mormons that play a significant role in the plot. But I, I can still remember reading about you know, these Mormon characters who are sitting down to their breakfast and having their morning coffee. <laughs> Um, and but you know it, it also mentions that they do not drink alcohol because of their religion, um, and uh, their the the leader of the local Mormon congregation, Pastor Bob, comes to visit them, and uh, it just I, I was like he, this author doesn't know the first thing about us. I'm, okay, he knows the first thing about us. We don't drink alcohol, but he doesn't seem to know anything else about us. Uh, and that, to me, I found that just very annoying that he, he wouldn't bother to try to get it right. Uh, and so, so, yeah, that's the example I use on, on getting Mormons wrong in fiction. Okay, so it wasn't even so much that the Mormons were portrayed as villains, is that he just didn't even care enough to do a little bit of research, even the most basic research. Yes, exactly. The, the characters were not villains. They were, uh, they were part of the good guys, but he had not bothered to do any research. And so uh, because of that, whenever I write a, a character of a, a religion different from mine, I do research in order to find out about their beliefs and, and things like that. So I have a, a story where the main character is a Tyrannosaurus sapiens, who is Buddhist uh, and only eats manufactured meat. <laughs> and, um, but uh, you know, and so you know, in in a sense, I I brought that in to provide an interesting contrast to the the typical idea of a Tyrannosaurus. Um, but by the end of the story, the the fundamental beliefs of the character about you know how, how to properly treat others and how it becomes essential to the resolution of the plot um, and and basically I, I took the principles there from my reading about Buddhism um, and uh, so I basically tried to be as respectful of Buddhism as I would want a Buddhist writer to be respectful of Mormonism. That's interesting. Um, so have you talk to any readers who are Buddhist about it? 
Um, no, I haven't actually. But I haven't gotten any angry letters from Buddhists uh, telling me that uh, I got it wrong. <laughs> well, that's that's a positive thing. Um, and then I think you said you had another story where a character was Muslim. Can you tell me about that one? Um, uh, well, I've, I've written a, a couple of stories with Muslim characters. Uh, one that just got published, the, the Muslim is actually the villain. Um, to, to some extent. Uh, it's a Muslim terrorist uh, who has detonated a nuclear bomb and uh, the main character is a, a brain scientist and the government asks him essentially to create a recording of the terrorist's mind so that they can interrogate that recording to uh, find out where other nuclear bombs might be. Um, and essentially, there's a there's a scene in there where the the main character is talking to the the recording of the terrorist's mind, and um, essentially, the main character whose fiance was killed by the bomb is. Uh, unprepared to hear the justifications of, that the, the terrorist gives and I tried to do the best job I could of presenting what the terrorist actually believes and how he, feel, he feels that his people are being wronged by Americans uh, and Christians and so I, you know, even though he is the the villain of the story, I am trying to give his point, uh, portray his point of view as accurately as possible, um, and it, it it kind of throws the main character for a loop because he isn't expecting that kind of rationality from uh, from the the terrorist. Um, the other story I've written has not been published. Uh, I hope to find a market for it eventually, but it involves the uh, the Muslim pilot of a, a starship that is out exploring and uh, she finds a Christian colony, long lost Christian colony, um, that is about to be destroyed by a comet. And she has to choose what to do uh, and um, she basically sacrifices her life for Christians. Uh, so I, there she's the hero and I was trying to, uh, in essence, again, base her moral decision on Muslim beliefs that I researched uh, for, for the purposes of the story. Uh, and so I, I hope I portrayed it accurately and if it ever gets published, uh, hopefully I will get good response from Muslims about it. Have you gotten any response yet on the the one that you did get published? Um, I've, I've had uh, several people uh, say that they really liked the story a lot. Um, uh, the story's an immense darkness in the March issue of Analog. Um, but uh, I have not heard from any Muslims about it yet. Okay, that's interesting. I, it seems like it would be a little bit tricky to portray a religion respectfully when um, when it's part of a villain's um, worldview. Um, 
So your approach there would be just to try to make the character as sympathetic as possible and as and rational according to their according to their beliefs. According yes. To their beliefs. Yeah. Basically, um, there, there's the uh, I work off the uh, what I call uh, the universal law of human motivation, which is it seemed like a good idea at the time. Whenever someone makes a decision, they tend to make what they think is the best decision in the circumstances that they're in. Um, and so, essentially, when writing a villain, you still need to, in order to keep them from becoming a stereotype, you need to t kind of get in the villain's mind and figure out what it is that makes them feel like their course of action is the right course of action for them. And so, uh, you know, in the case of a religiously motivated terrorist, that means looking at the religion and trying to figure out why it is that they would believe that this course of action is the, the one that they should follow, uh, and, or, you know, the one that God wants them to follow. Um, and I think that is the... But that essentially they are making a rational decision based on the information that they have and their religious beliefs. Okay, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a good model for building any kind of character, not just a religious character. That's right. Uh, I, I just feel like it should be applied to religious, you know, religious beliefs as well as just purely secular beliefs. Um, so for readers who want to um, read some science fiction where you feel like um, religion has been dealt with really well, what would be your recommendations? Um, I really like uh, David Weber's Honor Harrington series, uh, which is space opera. Um, and I felt like he did a very good job of developing the religion of a, a planet that he introduces, I think, in the second book of the series, uh, that has been isolated uh, for you know hundreds of years, but is now back into the kind of galactic mainstream. Um, and it starts off with the main character and the the people she's with thinking, oh, these backward Graysons and their backward religious beliefs you know, that are so obviously wrong and terrible. Um, but during the course of that book and later books, you start to see, oh, you know, there are reasons why they developed those beliefs. The, and there, yes, there are some terrible people who are part of that religion who do some terrible things, but there are, are also some wonderful people who act in very, very moral uh, manner. Um, and so he, he built that religion very realistically, I think. And uh, so I, uh, I think that's a very good example for people to follow. Okay. Um... So for Mormons who want to write science fiction um, and fantasy and might be interested in portraying religion, maybe even Mormonism, what just general suggestions do you have? Um, try not to let your religious characters be too preachy. Um, 
instead try to you know, show by their actions what their beliefs are. Um, and uh, you know, ac actions speak louder than words. Uh, so, um, and then just try to be as, as, as accurate as possible when you're dealing with uh, religions that are not your own. Um, because, you know, treat, treat other people's religions the way you would want our religion to be treated. Okay, that's good advice. Um, so just for these last couple of minutes, we were talking about um, one of the questions that was posed to today's panel, which happened to be all Mormons on the panel, was why do someone, many Mormons write science fiction fantasy? Um, and there are a lot of different theories about that. Um, I read an article um, a couple years ago about that. And it was, again, it was, Mormon theology, we believe in inhabited worlds and that the spiritual is actually matter. And, and then some people said, no, it's more Orson Scott Card's influence. And then someone else said, well, it's our history of storytelling and um, our literary history. Mormons read a lot. I don't think he said that specifically, but I, I felt like he was kind of um, going that direction. Um, what is your theory about that? Also, do you think that Mormons are overrepresented in um, in science fiction fantasy um, as far as writers of science fiction fantasy go? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have looked at some numbers uh, in the past, uh, and I do think that uh, there are a disproportionate number of, of Mormons uh, getting published in science fiction and fantasy. Um, my personal theory is that uh, it's Orson Scott Card's influence uh, because he, he, back in the, the 70s and then 80s, he was really the uh, major, um, major literary figure of, of Mormondom. And so when people who were looking for literary success, uh, you know, members of the church looking for literary success, they had a, a major example in Orson Scott Card. And I, you know, I often say that if Orson Scott Card had been a big mystery uh, writer, then maybe people today would be talking about how Mormons are overrepresented in mysteries. Um, I, I tend to discount the theories that are based on Mormon theology uh, or Mormon tradition uh, just because up until the 1970s there were hardly any Mormon science fiction and fantasy authors who were getting published. Uh, so we were under underrepresented at that time. And I don't think our theology and traditions have changed so much in that time, and uh, so I think it's well, and it's not just Orson Scott Card. Orson Scott Card influenced some students at BYU who went on to do things like found the Leading Edge magazine and start the Life, the Universe, and Everything Symposium, which then attracted more Mormon authors to learning about how to, you know how to get published, which led to them having more success and and so I think the the big science fiction and fantasy community of authors that that have been built has been built here in in Utah is has been leading to more and more success on the part of Mormon authors 
So would you say that, I mean, I'm assuming this is true, but would you say that that has contributed to your interest or success in, in um, publishing science fiction fantasy and being interested in writing science fiction fantasy? Um, uh, I was interested in science fiction and fantasy uh, you know, even before Orson Scott Card was getting published, but the fact that he was being so successful uh, definitely influenced my ideas about whether I could succeed as a, a science fiction author. Okay, that's interesting. Um, okay, my last question is about life, the universe, and everything. Um, just what you have gotten out of it in general this weekend? What's stayed with you? Um, well, I, I've really enjoyed being on various panels uh, and participating with, uh, you know, interacting with the other partic participants. Um, and I, I just think it's great to see so many aspiring authors uh, who are willing to work at learning how to do their craft uh, and how to, to write better stories. Um, and so I think we're going to continue to see an, uh, an increasing number of Mormon authors getting published. Okay, awesome. And then um, what do you have coming out next that we can read? Um, well, the, the next uh, thing that I have coming out is uh, my novel, uh, my first novel, which is coming out from Bain Books. Uh, the title is Unforgettable, so please remember that. Uh, I don't have an exact release date, but it should be sometime in fall of 2015. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net.